You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reza dropped down. Kobe! And welcome back to Hardwood Radio. It is the NBA final, the moment of the year, Ben. It is the final, the dream final, isn't it? Cavaliers Golden State game two tonight. Uh, what a bad game was in game one. Yes, sir. It was a really strange game, but it exposed what we all feared would happen with the Cavaliers. Uh, they could not keep keep up uh, defensively, and their defensive rotations were so obsessed with Curry and Thompson that um, actually they were uh, they were the, both guys were all always double team when they were on the court and it ended up like having three three other guys in Golden State like scoring at will at all time during the game. It was a really strange game but it was very interesting. I don't know how Portland's uh, going to rebound from that tonight. No, exactly. I If we would have said, look, Golden State going to win game one, how is it going to happen? We would have said, oh, Curry's going to have a great game. So Clay Thompson, they both combined for under 40 points and the Golden State Warriors still won. Sean Livingston. They, yeah, uh, they shot, uh, I think, 8 out of 27, which is three, 33%. Uh, Draymond Green didn't have a great day, great game. Even like you pointed out, it was Sean Livingston. Uh, Sean Livingston, who is a um, six foot seven point guard, which is a very, very tall uh, uh, size for a point guard. He just takes... Uh, whoever's his matchup, whatever was Kyrie Irving or Matthew Delavadova, just took them in the post, backed them up the post, and scored a lot of them. He, he scored like he shot for 80% that night, which was very impressive. And you got to feel good for Sean Livingston. I don't know uh, if our uh, auditors know it, but uh, he was drafted in, I think, in 2004 by uh, the Los Angeles Clippers in the lottery. And he was considered to be the next great point guard. And he injured his knee. So bad. I think it was the most gruesome knee injury I've ever seen in professional sport. His um, his um, kneecap was bent sideways, and Ow. there was possibilities uh, that he would lose his leg. Um, oh, jeez. He, uh, he took I think two years off. Uh, he had several uh, several surgeries, and at the end of the uh, at the end of the uh, uh, of his uh, convalescence, mm-hmm. uh, he had. I think he went from I think five or six different teams uh, before he had a good year with the Nets and signed the three uh, three year deal with the Warriors. And now he's uh, he's a uh, NBA champion and he's about to be an NBA champion again. I think. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, let's just go back to the conference finals in the Western Conference yes, Game Seven because we didn't do a show since last week. Well, yes, sir. Was it the best? series in basketball history between Oklahoma and Golden State because the intensity, the ferocity of those games, the kicks to the nuts, it was crazy. 
it was it was one of the most intense. I don't know if I would qualify it of the most intense because you always have what they call the recent bias. Like everything that you've experienced True. lately is the most intense thing you've ever experienced. But <laughs> like it, it's up there. Like it has to be one of the top ten most intense uh, series. But it has to show you Golden State's championship acumen. They were down three one against a team that was more athletic, that was uh, gritty, defensive, tenacious, and they just uh, kept finding ways to win. Uh, game six was really the um, really the hard game to win, and they had to ride a hot streak by uh, Clay Thompson, who established a playoff record for most threes in a game. He had 11 uh, threes in that game. So it, it took an NBA record uh, to be broken by by Clay Thompson in order to win that game. Uh, I think, honestly, six or seven times during that game, I, I was like, okay, they're gone. Like, OKC has got them now. OKC, OKC's figured them out. In the yeah. third quarter, there was a, a possession where Steph Curry missed three threes on the one possession. Oh, like, yeah. okay, Curry's out of it. Like, And they were gone. down they're by gone. like 12 or something, right? They were down by like uh, 12 or 14 15, in game six and 15, like a 15, 15 right? I think. Which is crazy and because if you go back to Game Seven, they did the exact opposite. They were winning by like twenty points in the last at the end of the third quarter. You're like, this game is done. Oh yeah, basically. And but they were losing in Game Five, in Game Seven, I think thirty-five twenty-two in, in the second yes, quarter. Yes, early, yes, true. And they just found ways to get back in the game. They got back in rhythm. They're a team that have established a process to get in the rhythm that is very hard to uh, counter. Basically, uh, what they, they operate, they always free their man with screens. Like you saw that in the first game with Cleveland, it got Cleveland's defense completely confused. Basically, uh, let's say Curry has a ball, um, then uh, Draymond's going to set the screen for Kyrie Irving that is um, guarding uh, that is guarding Curry. So uh, the guy guarding Draymond has to guard Curry now. But uh, who's guarding Draymond? Uh, yeah. There's a mismatch. Uh, Kyrie Irving cannot my, uh, cannot uh, guard Draymond. So Steph passes the ball to Draymond. Somebody has to help on Draymond, and then all hell breaks loose. All their defensive rotations are are no good anymore, and that's how they lost the game. Like everybody was so confused on defense about what to do, and uh, they're just like Golden State, just like run them off the floor this way. You know who they miss? They're missing David Blatt. David Blatt was a very good... <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it like being out-coached? That's what happened in the first game? Um, yes and no. Uh, it's just nobody has figured the um, the uh, offensive uh, sets of Golden State yet. When somebody will, well, uh, Golden State will have to find a new thing in order to uh, improve and keep their supremacy over the NBA. But right now, nobody can guard them. At least nobody can guard them for more than four games in a row. And uh, mm-hmm. but uh, David Blatt's defensive rotations last year won the Cavaliers two games. Like they 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 won two games in the finals by being this greedy defensive-minded uh, hacking team. But now Tyron Lue has a good uh, has a good offensive scheme, but his defense is like really porous right now. And I just don't know from what I've seen. Um, like game one, I don't know how Cleveland wins one. Uh, they probably win one or two, but I don't even know how they're going to do it. Because between you and me, Ben, we all know that tomorrow, tonight, or mm-hmm. you know the result of the game if you're listening to this after the game, but 
then it's not gonna happen for a second game in a row that Thompson and Curry don't shoot correctly. For sure, they're gonna have a better performance. And if that is the case, you're looking at a bench performance that, if it's still consistent, could be very, could be the downfall of Cleveland, basically. Well, it took Curry last final three or four games to really get going. He was getting like 18, 22, but he was not he was not shooting very well from three. So it might take him a, a few games to get going. But they showed they can win without his uh, his crazy performance from the three point line. So that's the scariest thing. Like this, that's the thing about Golden State. Every player on the floor has more one way to influence the game either offensively or defensively they can uh, like their big guys can guard the perimeter as they can guard the post everybody can shoot everybody can uh, throw floaters everybody can finish at the rim you just don't know like it's a pick your poison kind of kind of team like you try to defend them one way and they're just gonna score on you the other way yeah. it's, it's it's beautiful basketball uh, I don't know yeah. who's gonna figure them out or when when we talk about Cleveland, we talk about a, a team this year that's not just LeBron. Last year, mm. you could say it was LeBron and friends. This mm. year, you have the Kyrie Irving. You have the J.R. Smith. You have the uh, Kevin Love. The surrounding the, mm. the cast, surrounding cast of LeBron James. How important is for them to step up and not just leave all the work to LeBron for them to succeed? Well, that is a good uh, point uh, you're making. Last year, there was six people in the rotation for Cleveland. Jared Smith was there, and but Jared Smith is, is as being very talented, is very inconsistent. Is uh, is uh, head is uh, a head case basically. And but uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving last year were absent, were both injured, but. Uh, what we didn't know, what we will find out in this series, was that what did it play for or against Golden State, against Cleveland, pardon me, that they were absent. Because between you and me, they were both atrocious defensive players. They cannot play defense to save their lives. Uh, Kyrie Irving just doesn't seem educated in the ways of defense, and Kevin Love simply has slow feet. Uh, and what, whenever Kevin Love is on the floor, um, they are just uh, Golden State is just zeroing him on him. Uh, they they give the ball to Draymond and Draymond just sets up a play because Kevin Love cannot guard him. They have to they have to get another uh, they have to get another defender on him and create a mismatch on uh, uh, on the defense. They uh, I'm not sure that whether they step up or not is going to change because Golden State can match the, uh, Cleveland's defense offensive production. But Cleveland cannot match Golden State's defense, so it might be better if they were off the floor. I don't think they can play uh, uh, um, uh, Kyrie and Kevin Love at the same time, uh, at the same time together. Uh, like if you seen it in Game One, Channing Frye, which who was yeah, an true. important role player in uh, the first three rounds, he played one minute. Because Channing Friday cannot have three guys who cannot play defense on the floor at, at the same, same time. time. Not against Golden State. No, exactly. Uh, speaking of Cavaliers, let's just go back to the Eastern Conference Finals for one second. Yes. We haven't talked about the Raptors, which the best year in their history and the best playoff run in their history. Yes. Which a team that never seemed to fire in all cylinders in the playoffs still made it mm. to the Conference Finals for the Raptors. Dwayne Casey's contract has been extended for three years. Mm. How surprised are you by the Raptors taking... Cleveland to Game Seven, really pushing this uh, this series to the limit. Even though they had no chance in Game Seven, they made the series out of a a playoff that would 
we're all expecting a sweep in this conference final, and Toronto actually battled hard. That was game six, though. Game six, exactly. Uh, they, they, they lost in the sixth game. They, yeah. they battled hard. Um, they found uh, they found uh, an unexpected piece that was a great LeBron stopper in Bismack Biombo. Um, but let's not kid ourselves here. They overachieved. Uh, ESPN's uh, Kevin Arnovitz called them a mediocre team that overachieved. And while I think it's uh, pretty harsh to call them mediocre, he's not completely wrong. He's not. They're not. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they would. I don't think they would have made like top six in the West, uh, given like the matchups you have in the regular season. I don't think they would have been a, a top six team. I think they would have maybe would have been eliminated in the first round in the West. They are a good team. They are a very athletic, a very uh, a very driven and energetic team. But they need uh, they need front court. They need front yeah. court players. They need guys. Who they can need shoot. Kevin they Durant. Need that's what they need. Kevin Durant, KD, my man. Yes, yes, he could play. He could play four for the uh, Raptors. I doubt that he's gonna come. Uh, if he comes to the East, I might, I'm really afraid he's gonna come to Miami <laughs> because Pat Riley is going to give him an offer he cannot refuse. The big decision, but, take two. Yeah, but they're drafting ninth uh, because uh, they got the Knicks' pick for this year because of freaking Andrea Bargnani. I'm so I'm still angry over this. That trade was two years ago, and I'm still, I still I still don't accept it. Great uh, trade, great good, trade by Miss Jerry. There are some great, uh, there are some great power forward, some great shooting power forward in the draft this year. So uh, they're gonna have one one way or another. Now, Ben, just before we move on to the prospect of the week, uh, the mm-hmm. NBA final game two tonight. Is there any yes. indication now there that we should expect something different than the Cavaliers actually playing better than Game One and winning Game Two at home? I uh, I don't I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. Um, he's um, I, I, they have to figure out their defensive rotation. They have to figure out who is uh, they have to figure out who is guarding who. And who is going to switch in uh, on defense? Because they're not um, because they're not winning playing the way they played last game. I don't know if you saw you've seen the uh, the video of uh, LeBron uh, last uh, last game who looked completely discouraged yeah. in uh, who face palm during the fourth quarter of the first game um, because I don't think he has the answer either. I don't know. Uh, even if he goes on a crazy scoring spree like he did last finals, all they're going to do is they're going to let LeBron score 40 or 50 and they're going to guard everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's that's the one thing that they cannot afford to do to Golden State because Golden State will have somebody to make that shot. It's not necessarily the case for Cleveland. Exactly. And uh, and I don't. I, I just really don't see how... I, I'm seeing a sweep maybe. Like If they win game two, I'm calling a sweep. That's for sure. All right, Ben, let's move on now in this abridged show. Ben is yes, live sir. from the rainforest as we speak. Ben, <laughs> uh, prospect of the week this week. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, this is very interesting because that guy just came out straight from the left field. I didn't even think he had uh, declared for the draft until I saw his name on the combine. Uh, the kid is named Marquise Chris. He is a 6'10", 240 super duper athletic power forward from from Washington 
who was not on the top 50 uh, high school recruits last uh, last year and who played for a Division II uh, college. But since the workout pro, uh, process has started, everybody cannot shut up about Marquise Chris, about his talent, about his potential, about his uh, shooting stroke, about his bounceability. He's 6'10 guys who can... I think he's... Uh, Max Vert was 37 inch, which is freaking enormous. Like this guy's head goes wow. above the rim. Like, like he pops high. his head above the rim. And he's only 18, so he has a world of potential in front of him. He was, last time I checked, he was um, around 20 maybe um, uh, for first round. But uh, this week, there was rumors that the, um, the Boston Celtics would pick him at three. Uh, number three overall. The, the Boston Celtics have the number three overall uh, pick because of the Kevin Garnett trade to Brooklyn a couple of years ago. And they're in a very weird position because the number one and two are two can't-miss prospects. But at number three, it's a little difficult to know what to do. And they, there's a lot of rumors that they, sh they, should, uh, they will trade their pick. There's a very strong rumor that they're going to trade it to Philadelphia for Jalaloka for which would kind of make sense. But if they keep the pick and if they decide to swing for the fences, I wouldn't be surprised to see Marquise Chris end up in Boston because the alternative, right, is Dragon Bender. I, we talked about Dragon Bender before. I'm not in love Best with name. him. Uh, he looks to me like a deluxe Kelly Olenek. And Kelly Olenek is no, is not, is no world beater. Like, he's not, <laughs> it's not a changing... Uh, He's not a yes. changing... Uh, no, he's a part of a team, but he's not the main yeah, guy. Exactly. He's a role player, exactly. basically. So, uh, Mar why not Marquise Chris? I could completely uh, get behind that pick, and I think it might be a home run for Boston. All right, Ben. I'll let you get back to your marathon, and tonight, the NBA Final Game 2, followed by the next couple of games. We will talk to you next week with more coverage of the NBA Final. Ben, until yes, next sir. time, enjoy the finals. Thank you. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.